Good morning and welcome to the Marysville 3CU Church. Today we find ourselves observing things that are happening in another part of the world, in Afghanistan. And in our message this morning, we want to the, turn to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel. And our scripture reading is going to be primarily in Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, but we're going to begin our reading in Daniel chapter 2, verse 46, to lay some of the background as we move into this message. Now, are you familiar with Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah from the Old Testament? You may not remember them by those names. You might remember them from the names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were their given names. They're Hebrew names. And as the uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians came in, they took captive some of these individuals out of uh, some uh, Judah or around these um, men from the tribe of Israel, from Israel in general, and took them back to Babylon in captivity. And there they renamed them names that were conducive with their culture and some that were even um, indicating a relationship or highlighting their false gods in their culture. But that's who Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You might be familiar then. I don't know if I guess they were friends, but they were close acquaintances for sure. Someone by the name of Daniel. Someone by the name of Daniel. So as we turn in Daniel chapter 2, 46 through 49, this is taking place in Babylon and in that region. So it's in that region. Uh, east of Israel. It's in the Egean region, probably around what we would call today Iraq. So let's read together. We're going to read um, in sections as we move through the passage of Scripture, and I'm going to kind of talk to each of the pieces a little bit and some more. So then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel, and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly, your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Also Daniel petitioned the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. So we have here, we're setting the state that, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had gone through with Daniel. And uh, you, they had the issues with their uh, the diet and what they were eating, eating. If you looked at the history of that. Daniel also interpreted a dream for Nebuchadnezzar. And then you find here that Daniel is elevated to a position of leadership. And in turn, he asked for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they are elevated as well. 
So you have them elevated in roles of leadership. Now as we move in chapter 3, the focus moves away from Daniel. And the focus is on these three young men. And we find that Nebuchadnezzar made a gold image. Let's start in Daniel chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits. 60 cubits. That's about 90 feet. And it's width 6 cubits. A cubit is about 18 inches. It's about a foot and a half. And why do we say it's an about? Because a cubit was understood as the length from your elbow to here. Your forearm, the length of your forearm. And so that could vary from individual to individual, but that's one of the ways they measured. They didn't have the metric system. Um, so this is a big statue. And King Nebuchadnezzar, verse 2, sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, and the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. You see the picture here? Then a herald cried aloud. These are the leaders. The herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. So at the time when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre, and symphony, with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which Nebu King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. You see the picture there? There's this image that he has set up. And the king is basically saying, I'm going to tell you who you should worship. I'm going to tell you how you should worship. I'm going to set up this, basically it's an idol. And when the music plays, when the worship music comes on, I guess, you are to devour all you leaders. And so it's an interesting text of follow it of leadership or loyalty and whether they're going to be following him is he's giving these commands and he's deflecting who and how they should worship. It's a very interesting picture. It's not something we in the United States are used to. But if you would go back into Europe at different times, they were telling them who to worship and how to worship and what that looks like. And that's why we ended up with some of the freedoms we hear, did here in the United States and the freedom of, to worship and, how, and the way that we want to worship. But back to our story. Guess who didn't bow down? Guess who didn't bow down? So, verse 8. Therefore, at that time, 
certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. The Jews being Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. You do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Shadrach, Meshach, excuse me, then Nebuchadnezzar in rage and fury gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now if you are ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony, with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made. Good! But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who would deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O king, we have no need to answer you in this manner. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. If I brief word of prayer. Lord, as we've read this introductory scripture or the introduction to this message, we pray to Lord that you would give us the words to speak, that even what we have written down in our notes would be subject to the guiding of the Holy Spirit. But we pray to Lord that our hearts might be open to hear from you, and know what you would have us to hear. That we might apply it to our life that's inconsistent with your word. The Lord, it might be impactful to others around us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure that these men, these Chaldeans, were not pleased that these Jews that were part of the captivity have been brought in and given positions of leadership. But they had been. They had been given these positions. And you find here that Nebuchadnezzar, again, like I said, had determined in his authority who you should worship. And so in that way, he basically, I believe, is elevating himself to God to worship in this manner under penalty of death. That's very interesting. That is under penalty of death. Of death. And as we read that scripture, we find that he says, Did you not hear correctly what I said? He's almost um, unbelievable. It's unbelievable to him that, that they would defy what he was doing or not follow through. And now we've seen politicians do that. I can. I can think of a president that's done this in, in my um, lifetime. But they, they think that, that if you're not doing what they tell you to do, 
Oh, you must not have understand it correctly. Let me explain it to you again. Have you ever heard politicians do that? They, they think that, that the reason that you're not following what they're doing is that they've not explained it well enough. It kind of kills all the discourse at that point when they start talking down to people. But he's like, certainly you didn't understand this, so let me give you another chance. And they're like, well, we don't need another chance. We're already going to tell you that we're not bowing down to your image. Because the God we serve can deliver us. He is able to deliver us, and He will deliver us out of your hand. But if not, we're still not going to do what you're telling us to do. You can see the resolve. That they trusted that God would help them, or could help them. But even if he didn't, they were still resolved. Talk about surrender. You hear about people in situations like, well, God, if you do this, I'll do that. And if God, if you do this, then I'll do that. But here it's, I know, God, you can do this, but I'm leaving it up to you. And regardless of what your choice is, I'm going to obey. Wow, that's faith. That's surrender. That is surrender. I've read news articles or read some articles that talk about that in Afghanistan, that if the Taliban finds your phone with a Bible app on it, that in cases they've just killed the person with the phone. Because they had a Bible app. Now, if you're a Christian in the United States today, I'd be very careful in using the words persecuted. That you feel like you're persecuted. You might have a rough time. But I don't think somebody is taking your phone and killing you because you have a Bible app on your phone. We're seeing real persecution that's taking place. But can you think of that situation if you were in the situation of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or maybe in the situation of these people in Afghanistan? Will you say... I'm going to trust God regardless. God can deliver me, but even if He doesn't, if He chooses not, I'm still trusting in God. Is that the resolve? Is that where you're at, that you're going to trust them? Trust Him? I mean, even in today's culture, when people talk about being Persecuted in the United States. I think in many ways that rings hollow. It speaks to how thin-skinned some of us have become. Persecuted. They were told... 
by their king who to worship and when to worship and how to worship. And their allegiance came out that their allegiance was to God above all. Now as rulers, they would have to follow the general rules. But there was a place that they would not cross over. And so my question to you is, where is your allegiance? Where is your allegiance? Who do you look to? Who do you fear? Who do you entrust your life to? Who do you entrust your eternity to? But where is your allegiance? For some, it might be in the U.S. government is where their allegiance is at. That's who they will they rely on to save you. I think some in Afghanistan today would tell you that they're finding that you cannot trust in your government necessarily to take care of you. We as Americans, as United States citizens, have determined that our government is so great that it can protect us from all comers. And if we just have our allegiance to our government, and that's, they'll take care of us. It looks like that's not the case. We've talked about you need to be a Christian first before you are an American. But who is your allegiance to? Who tells you how to worship and when to worship? And who to worship? Who tells you how to conduct yourself as a Christian in your daily walk? Who tells you how to approach issues? For some of us in the United States, I think, we have seen very strong allegiance to either the Democrat Party or the Republican Party. Have you noticed we're less and less Americans and more Democrats or more Republicans? It's a shame when we see when people talk about things and things are right before us that they, our allegiance is either in this camp or in that camp. We look to our saviors, as it were. It's the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. We look to our saviors as Obama, or our saviors as Trump, or our saviors as Biden. I think we've got the wrong allegiance. Think about how your discourse has taken place and, and how it adjusts how you think. We seem to become so arrogant in who we are and in our education that we become fools. Even Solomon in all his wisdom, when he pulled his eyes away from God, acted foolishly. We've determined, it seems, that petitions and strongly worded Twitter comments or strongly worded I even saw that the UN sent some strongly worded letter to the Taliban that they needed to behave. It's like their word has power. 
maybe at some time when people said the United States is coming, that it caused some fear. May not be so much anymore. But I would tell you that at the name of Jesus, it says every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And the words, and the power of words, and they talk about words, but their actions might be far from it. Talk about words. We become so arrogant. So arrogant. The only word that I know that has power is the word of God that spoke it into existence. And the Bible talks about, the Bible is the, has power unto salvation. We become arrogant in these things and we become arrogant in our education. And we turn from God. We've come to the point that we believe as individuals, as people, that we control things. And so, in this time of crisis, we have been called to look to the government or the failure of government. And we hear from people like Franklin Graham a call to prayer. There was a time when our government would ask us to pray. But I guess those times are past. We rely on ourselves to get ourselves out of these problems and we get what we are looking at. And as the hurricanes come up the coast and hit places they haven't hit in 30 years, we act like they've never hit there before. And then we're like, it's, the, it's people's fault. We can control the hurricanes. And we can control the wind. And we can control all these things. It's man that's causing it. Man can control it. Man can deal with these things. I remember Jesus saying out of the back of the boat, Peace be still. I don't hear them talking about that we have climate change, what used to be global warming, and that, you know, we need to pray to God about these kinds of things, that He will help us. Because we know He is the great Creator. He's the all-powerful, and He can calm the winds and the waves. No. We can do it. We are humans. We're strong. We're smart. We went to college. We got this great rhetoric where our words have no power. The demons tremble. Jesus is around. Who is your allegiance to? Who is it that you get your guidance from? Who do you rely on? The political party? The government? You see that walking towards the government and power? You see that in dictatorships. You see that in communist countries. We've seen it in the Soviet Union. But now people think it's a good, to- good thing. We're just going to trust the government. We should be trusting in God. We should be trusting in His Word. Getting killed for having a Bible app on your phone. 
Have you memorized any scripture? How far would it be if you if they're like, well, you know, the Bible is offensive. So maybe we shouldn't push it through uh, the the Apple store anymore. Do you think the Bible offends anyone? Probably does. Because it's counter to their culture. But I'll get it through the Apple store. Oh, Google Play? What if the Bible's not there to get? Do you have a physical Bible? Have you hidden God's word in your heart that you might not sin against God? Because there are people over there. These digital Bibles are great. The physical Bible is great as well. But you don't always have the Bible with you unless you've hidden it in your heart. Do you read it enough that it's in your mind and it's in your heart? You know, there's been this push away from what we used to call Sunday school and people not being part of some. But we need that. We need that understanding of the word. I look and I'll watch things come across Facebook. And I see things that come across Facebook even from people of our congregation. And I'm like, we need to know our Bible better. We need to understand the word and understand the stories better. That's what we need to be in our heart. And if we compare, this is for me too, if we compare our screen time with our Bible time, what would you find? How's your screen time compared to your Bible time? Some of us that have that obsessive compulsive behavior, you have a game you play or something you do every day or you check the Facebook every day, you do this every day, you do that every day. Do you read your Bible every day? Hmm. Hmm. Who is the God that guides you? Today they would tell you to follow. They tell you to follow what? They tell you to follow the science. They tell you to follow the science. I don't really think they want you to follow the science. They want you to follow them. I'm all for science. My degree is in physics. But when I hear them say, follow the science, they're not actually presenting the science. Now you may say, oh, that means he's for, or he's against. No, I would just like to have the science. Because in science, you put a theory out there, then you test it, and then you debate it with open facts, willing to hear the truth. And in today's culture, if the truth that you see does not match up with your Democratic or your Republican viewpoints, then you have to dismiss it as not following the science. They've kind of dictated which God you're to follow and how you're supposed to follow. Where is your allegiance? 
There's an old song that says, Though none go with me, still I would follow. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego chose not to follow Nebuchadnezzar and his edict instead of following God. Now what happens? As we turn back into the third chapter of Daniel. Verse 19. Daniel chapter 3. Verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men who were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and were cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace, therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. The king Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he arose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? The answer said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Come out and come here. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. And the satraps, administers, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together. They saw these men on whose body the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. And Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and they have frustrated the king's words king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god therefore i make degree that any people nation or language which speaks anything amiss against the god of shadrach meshach and abednego shall be cut in pieces and their house shall be made in an, an ash heap because there's no other god who can deliver like this then the king promoted shadrach meshach and abednego in the province Babylon. So they were thrown in the fiery furnace. And the king was so enraged that people followed the direction that he had that he basically sacrificed other people. The other people were burnt up. The people he wanted to punish overcame through the power of God. But his rage, his determination that he was right, was so strong that he affected other people instead of the people that his anger was towards. Have we seen that today? I think we have. Sacrifice everyone else. Sacrifice whoever to make sure your point wins. And miss the mark on impacting the people 
that you're enraged against. The people that trusted in Nebuchadnezzar, the people that followed Nebuchadnezzar was burned by the fire. And the people that trusted in God, the fire had no power over them. It did not consume them. It did not stain them. It wasn't affecting their clothes. And they didn't even have the smell of it. It didn't corrupt them in any way. Even as you walk through a place where they're smoking outside and you walk through, or you've been in the elevator with people that smoke so heavy, your, their smoke lingers and it, the smell gets on you. And it affects you. But how amazing is it that they were thrown into the flame. And the flame was real because it's consumed these other people. But in the flame that they were delivered untarnished. And their faith had an impact on others. Their faith demonstrated the power of God. But their faith would not have demonstrated the power of God unless they actually allowed themselves to be put at risk for the name of Jesus. There are people in Afghanistan that are putting their lives at risk for the name of Jesus. What are we really risking for the name of Jesus in the United States? Are we so concerned about our own winning of the argument that we run over other people? Are we so concerned about our politics that the things that we post on Facebook Diminish our ability to witness to the unsaved. You know, now we are called in some of these trainings that are going on. I think they call it critical race theory and, and, and some of those aspects that they're teaching and things that are leaked out that the Christians are the oppressors. The Christians are the oppressors. But there's a number of countries who seemingly have this embrace of Islam somehow. But these other countries, gays and homosexuals are killed by law. But it's the Christians that are the oppressors. They're oppressed because their feelings are hurt. They're oppressed because the Bible calls out their guilt. It's not the Christians that the oppressors. In their view, it's God that is oppressing them. God that is telling them that you are not God. You're not able to control the earth. You're not able to control things. You don't know everything that you think you know. You can't write your own morality. I do, God is telling them. I am in control. Their arrogance. We see so much... They want to put God away from their mind. It's that reprobate mind we see in Romans. 
some of the most confusing information that is out there. They'll say one thing to make it the point, but if you look at the point, it counteracts the other point that they're trying to make. They're just talking in circles, out both sides of their heads, because they want control. They don't want to adhere to God. They want to adhere to the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. They want to tout their Americanism without spending time with God in prayer or in His Word. God protected Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they risked it all and they opened their hearts up to allow God to direct them. What are you willing to risk for God? What have you risked for God? Hopefully, as we look at the things that are taking place over in Afghanistan, we will realize it's not the U.S. government that will save you for eternity. It may not be the U.S. government that's going to save you in this point in time. It's not the Republican Party. It's not the Democrat Party. It's not a Biden. It's not Trump. It's not Biden. It's not Trump. And it's not Obama. It's God. As there's a counterculture against God and political structures against God, Marxism is against God, and all the things on top of that flow against God and trusting God and allowing men and women to rule. Put your faith in God. Put your faith in His Word, in the power of His Word, that His ability to save, the power of His Word created universe in the name of Jesus that the demons tremble at the name of Jesus who at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and tongue confess that he is Lord and no other name given among men whereby we must be saved there's only one way he is the way the truth and the life there's no way under the father but through him let's be trusting in God and not men. Let's be standing together. If you're trusting in God, there is hope. If you're trusting in God and you're in Afghanistan, there is hope. This life might not end the way you want it to end. But if you're trusting in God, you'll have an eternity with Him, a blessed eternity with Him. But if you're trusting in man, an eternity without God is an eternity in hell. And man cannot save you, only God can. So put your trust in him. Father God, I pray that we might listen to you. I pray, dear Lord, that in the strife in this United States, that we would step back and not sacrifice our Christianity because of our allegiance to a political party not sacrifice our Christianity for our allegiance to an ideology, not sacrifice our Christianity for allegiance to our country. But our allegiance might first of all be with you. That we might rest totally in you. That our walk might be consistent. Our word might be true. That we would be in your word. 
seeking your will, seeking your guidance. And we might be that salt and life in a world that is dying from sin. But we need your help. We're looking to you. Help us, dear Father, to be in that place of surrender. To have such a close relationship with you that we can sense you to the point that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. Lord, we ask for your presence to come and fill us and give us the courage. We ask the Lord for an encounter with you that we might have the impact around our communities, our state, our country, and our world. Lord, we do ask that you be with those that are in Afghanistan. Lord, what a horrible situation. We don't know the past. We don't know the outcomes. We we pray to, Lord, your wisdom might prevail, that something miraculous would happen. And, Lord, that credit would be given to you, just as Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged. No one could deliver the way that you did. Oh, Lord, bless us in this time. Help us to trust in you, lean on you, and may that give us peace and comfort, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.